Hi, I'm Nick Gill, International Strength and Conditioning Coach. I've been working with the All Blacks for the past 15 years and have been part of two successful Rugby World Cups. I love to coach rugby players and I love to see them succeed on and off the field. And now, I can be part of your rugby journey. Rugby Ready is my way of sharing my knowledge and experience with the greater rugby community through our online coaching platforms, our training programs and our educational resources. This week's episode is brought to you by Perform. Perform gives you the blueprint for success. Your monthly membership unlocks unlimited access to all of our in-season, off-season, and pre-season training program tracks, as well as educational resources so you can train to be the best. All you have to do is show up and put in the work. Go to www.rugbyready.ca perform and use the code RR20 to save 20% off your first month of training. Welcome to the Rugby Ready Podcast. In this week's episode, Gilly is going to share the last of his six big rocks, recovery, skill set, and game understanding. Before we dive into your brain, Gilly, how are you? It looks like you've got some sun. Oh, you've hit a little bit, mate. I'm good. Um, yeah, no, it was, we've got a little bit of sun when we got back from the tour, but um, it's been raining for the last week, so... Yeah, we're locked inside and uh, it's pretty humid and not able to get outside and do too much on the bike. But um, yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Good. Excellent. So let's jump right into Big Rock number five, recovery. So it seems to me like there are a lot of mixed messages with recovery and it can be quite a rabbit hole. So how do you define effective recovery? Yeah, no, you're you're right, mate. Rabbit hole is one word for it. The um, Yeah, I've been interested and focused on recovery for a long time um I suppose when I started it was about trying to trying to increase a, a player's ability to to withstand more volume and intensity um you know back in the day when when sort of most athletes were still pretty amateur um but I think there's there's two questions you need to ask when you're trying to figure out what the best recovery is and 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 I suppose that is you know are you re- recovering from a session um to enable you to to back it up and do another one soon after um you know or are you just trying to look after the body um and aid aid the some of the i suppose metabolic responses to the session you've done and get ready for the for for the i suppose the the performance later in the week so so one is about trying to accumulate volume and one is about trying to get ready for performance so what you do and when you do it is really the 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 big question it's a really good point. So then, okay, let's take it in the context of someone who maybe, you know, they're looking to push to the next level and they're training twice a day. How would they build recovery into their day in between those sessions so they're preparing to perform again? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the question actually is, um, do we want to remove the stimulus from the training? So, so a good example could be, um, you know, we've got a, a really a really high intensity full body uh, strength session in the morning and we've got a field session in the afternoon um you know and and probably typically recovery for me from the morning strength session is purely going to be nutrition It's going to be about getting protein available um carbohydrate sufficient carbohydrate available to replenish uh, what's required to to adapt from the strength session um and then make sure you got enough petrol in the tank for the for the field session and then following the field session um you know, it could be a really demanding session on the feet. Um, and we know that we've got another one in about 18 hours the next morning. 
Um, and we need to be able to, to I, I suppose, be ready to rock and roll the next day as well. So, so that's where you might be looking at different strategies around active recovery, um, stretching, uh, mobility, um, contrast work, ice immersion, cryotherapy, you know, all those sorts of things to try and, I suppose, dull the damage from, from, the, from the afternoon session and get ready for the morning session. The question is, do we need to dull the damage and remove the other uh, stress and therefore hinder adaptation? So it sort of depends on where you're at, how you're handling training volume and load, um, and what you're trying to, I, I suppose, get ready for the next morning. You know, if the next morning's the critical session, um, where you're actually going to be, you know, the intensity is going to be ramped up, the, the volume's going to be high, and you actually just need to start it feeling as good as you can, then, you know, I'd be pushing a big recovery in that, in that evening prior. Um, if both sessions are reasonably similar and there's no need to actually remove some stress, then I'll just be working on my range of motion, my flexibility, my mobility, and just looking after my tissues so that I'm ready to go. Can you just define then, like for, for people out there who aren't familiar with what the difference is between flexibility and mobility when it comes to recovery, what are those two things? Well, I think the, um, I mean, we're talking about either, either, either muscle length um, or I suppose joint range of motion. Um, and, and, and sometimes, um, you know, a lot of movements we might, we might sit in or we might be in, uh, are typically targeting either a, a change in, in tissue, uh, length at the muscle level or muscle tendon level and, or joint, joint, joint sort of, um, level. So it really depends on the person as to what we're trying to achieve and why. Um, but you know, a, a classic, a classic example for a lot of, athletes will be a tight sore lower back you know and and what's un, what's typical here is tight hips tight glutes that that need either a little bit of a release through up through a ball or an elbow um or sitting in a particular position so so it depends on what we've got going on as to whether we're trying to improve mobility or or flexibility um you know but flexibility is typically your muscle length and and most people don't have too many issues there um it's more joint range of motion that we're trying to make sure it's free and fully functioning. So why, like, how can you sell recovery to an athlete? Maybe there's someone listening to this who doesn't prioritize it. Why should they put time and energy into it? Yeah. Um, yeah I've asked that question lots of times um, for years and years and years. And I suppose, unfortunately, most athletes take sort of, seven or eight years of being a professional before they realize actually I need to do more of this stuff because one I feel better but also two um, things aren't getting any easier and I need to start looking after my my body um, which which is really the thing that can give out on you if you don't look after it and and so for any young up-and-coming athlete or any pro or any semi-pro or someone trying to make it um, you know you just got to look after your body um, rugby is a pretty full-on uh, sport asks a lot of the body and if we don't look after it um, you know we get hurt you know and if you get hurt you can't you can't practice your catch and pass you can't focus on understanding the game and getting better at your core role you know as any injury is bad because it takes you away from from those that time on the field or that time on the park actually refining your rugby playing ability so so injuries are something we're trying to prevent and, and recovery is one way of trying to ensure that they don't creep up on us, you know, whether that's a, a tight glute leading to a tight back, leading to a poor form in the gym, leading to 
a back problem, an injury that occurs occurs in a squat pattern with load. Um, and, and I think that the second the second reason why why everyone needs to be putting some attention into this area is because rugby is a full on game on, on on the weekend where we need to have a full tank and we need to be able to empty it for eighty minutes and. And so recovery is, you know, it's it's actually about performance as well, um, not just about looking after the body, but also about performing on on the game. And so, filling the tank up and making sure the lips are all good um, is is key. That's really that, no, that's super helpful. So, which like which methods are the most effective? Because like you can spend tons of money on this right like you can buy these like space age compression boots you can do buy a crazy expensive ice bath you can do all sorts of stuff but like for someone out there who's maybe like on a budget and they just want to try to find like maybe three of the most effective things they can do what would those be oh i think most people are in different situations when it comes to finances and facilities but um Mm -hmm. for, for me cheapest bang for buck would be um after a really tough uh, on field session would be a you know just a, a light active flush of some sort where that's sitting on a bike. Um, there would be a, a, a stretch or some mobility work, some tissue release. Um, you know, so there are two cheap, convenient methods that can be done all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, ma- massage is huge. Um, you know, myofascial release by yourself with with the right tools. Um, you know, balls and rollers is is, is awesome. Um, you know, we've got hot baths, we've got cold baths, we've got, um, you know, getting a bag of ice and chucking in a cold bath at home after a really big session or after a tough game. Um, you know, all these methods can be really cheap and convenient um, and therefore things you do often. And, and I think it's the things that are not convenient, expensive and, and not really practical to implement all the time are the things that probably need to stay away from. Um so everyone's in a different position to implement different things. But the key thing is finding out what you can do regularly and just building a routine and a habit um, that, that is helping you feel better, helping you perform better, helping you stay injury free. On that note, are there, are there any recovery methods that you, you think ash, athletes should stay clear of? Oh, I mean, obviously things that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> stay away from stuff that doesn't work. And it's, and you know, typically the things that don't work have got all the bells and whistles that cost a lot of money um, and are not very convenient. Um, so, you know, I, I would be putting, if I've got any spare cash to put into recovery, I'd be making sure I'm spending it on good quality nutrition, real food, um, colourful food, um, you know, and, and invest any spare pingers into that. Um and just look after the basics around your recovery, you know. So, so cooling some muscle down, lengthening some muscle, getting some soft tissue treatment, um, you know, and and flushing any any waste out that you want to get rid of because you have a reason to get rid of it for. If you do say you do do a real heavy gym session, you finish it off with some real heavy legs, and you do want to do a flush, is there a certain amount of time you should sit on, say, a, a bike for, like five ten minutes? Is that enough? I, yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of, um, you know, my recommendation would probably be five to fifteen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and because it depends on what time you got available, depends on um, how intense the session was you're trying to recover from. Depends, depends on a few things, but um, five to fifteen minutes of ticking the legs over and flushing, flushing the lactate out, and just and just cooling down 
Um, you will probably get some aerobic energy system development as well. Um, so there's lots of benefits to it, but but it does depend on what's practical um, and and what's right for you and your situation and in your week. So on the note of recovery, like active recovery falls into this category as well, right? And that's where we're looking at doing things that increase blood flow. But just from what I've seen, I think that's something that athletes can really tend to overdo. You know, an active recovery session suddenly becomes a full-on run training session. So how do, how do you structure active recovery to avoid that? Well, I think, well, for, for me personally, I just prescribe the duration and the intensity, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that the key thing is, you know, if it's a, it's a really tough gym session, um, and you said lower body, didn't you, Tyler? Yeah. You know, like oh, I actually personally, I wouldn't be doing an active recovery after a big leg morning, leg day. Um, you know, because actually we, we've we've torn the muscles to pieces. We've 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 exposed the body to some some high levels of force. Um, we're trying to get strong. Um, you know, I'd probably look more to towards um, some flexibility or mobility type work. Um, you know, or or, or if, if need be, just because the legs are smashed, maybe five minutes, but but no more, um, spinning the legs out. Um, but it should be purely that. It should be, you know, RPE of one to two, um, you know, hardly even a heart rate up. You know, you're sort of talking about, you know, pro- probably um, 180, you know, minus, minus your age and a, and a bit more um, in terms of your recovery heart rate. So, um you know, so so for me, that would be sort of in the one twenties heart rate um, would be a would be a light active recovery. Okay. How do you deal with athletes? And there may be someone listening to this who who this this describes accurately that have a hard time taking time off in between training sessions and prioritizing their recovery. Maybe they you know they see a rest day or an active recovery day and they decide to add in an additional training session to keep pushing themselves. Yeah, I think you just got to trust the process. Eh? Like um, the body's a living organism that needs time to absorb the stress and, and adapt accordingly. And if you keep throwing stress at it, you'll never realize the full adaptation and the full benefit. So, so I think, um, you know, if you're reviewing your program and you're feeling like you need to do more, then maybe you haven't pushed hard enough when you had the opportunities to push hard. Mm. Um, if on a if on a day off you're feeling like you can do more, well, you obviously haven't worked hard enough in the pro, pro, previous sessions. Um, you should need a day off if your training is of high quality. Um, and so, often it's important to have someone to help you with your training process and and train and, and setting your training week so that you're not making the decisions. You're trusting the process. You're trusting a method, um, and your body's given a chance to to bounce back from working hard. So. Is there then a place in every single training week for a total off day where the athlete just totally switches off and maybe they spend, you know, a bunch of time watching Netflix? Of course there is. Absolutely. Um, but again, it depends on your week, right? Um, if, you're, if you're training hard and you're trying to give the body a chance to get stronger, get faster, get more powerful, get fitter, um, get fresh for the game in the weekend, then, then timeout's really important. So psychologically and physiologically, um, rest is vital um you know if you ever feel like you're struggling to get some motivation to to smash yourself the next day it's probably because you haven't had a breather so you know you got to just you just got to definitely switch off definitely the body soak it all up and get ready for the next session hopefully the following day 
Hmm. That was a real good deep dive there into big rock number five. Now we're going to jump into skill set and game understanding. So what are the fundamental skills all players should be prioritizing? Oh, pretty straightforward, mate. Um, everyone needs to be able to catch the ball. Everyone needs to be able to pass the ball. Um, so catching passes is, is obviously crucial. Um, likewise, everyone needs to be able to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, so tackling is pretty important. And I suppose some of the finer skills around the tackle, if you're an attacking player, you know, ball placement, um, leg drive and contact. So so either side of the ball and contact, there's, there's obviously skill sets in there that are important. One, to be effective in your role, um, whether you've got the ball or you're defending. Um, and and then also, secondly, to to not only be able to perform the role, but do it safely, you know, with with um, with rugby being a, a pretty fierce collision sport. Your technique is really important to ensure that you can tackle, 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 tackle all day long and not hurt yourself. So putting your head in the right place, you know, wrapping the legs, um, getting the shoulder on, um, leg drive, all those small micro details of the skill are important. So, so catch and pass and tackle um, are probably the, the, the key skills for me. And then obviously if you're a, if you're a back, um, you know, half of the backs need to be able to kick the ball. So, so kicking would be a skill for, for, for half of the back line. Hmm. So you'd be, if, if you were on the, the training pitch right now and you saw maybe you came to Canada for those listening here and you went out to a practice and you saw a bunch of players before training, what you might see is them sort of standing in a circle, chucking a ball around, right? Maybe not necessarily working on their skills. Um, how do you kind of hammer it into players' brains that they need to be prioritizing the fundamentals? And as soon as they get to the field, like that's a great time to do it. Don't just stand around, actually practice. Oh, it's it's um, you know, it's it's something that's an it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Um, you know, stand around in a circle, throwing a ball around is it can be a bit of fun and a bit of giggle, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but most players, you know, in fact, not most players, all players, regardless of the level, um, need to be able to improve their ability to catch and pass, to tackle, um, you know. And I mentioned kicking for the uh, some of the backs, but you know, there's there's even you know high ball high ball reception, you know, catching high balls, whether you're a a, a lock forward or you're a fullback, you know, high ball catching is important. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of different roles or, or, or skills within your role that you need to keep becoming a master at and repetition is key. So you want to get better passing to your wrong side. You know, most of us have a side that we're not as good at passing to. Um, you want to get better at that. Well, you don't avoid it. You just have to get comfortable at, 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 at sort of exposing your weakness and, and trying to improve it. Um, you know, and likewise, you may be really good at passing the ball to the other side. Doesn't mean you stop doing it. You just got to keep ingraining those those neural patterns, that coordination, that skill pathway. Keep ingraining it. So under pressure, under fatigue, um, it's just natural. It just comes natural. Every pass you give in the game is perfect. Um, and you know, I work with some of the best athletes in the world, and they never stop practicing catch and pass. They never stop practicing tackle. Um, you know, it's it's an absolute. Um, brilliant butter of the week it's absolutely cornerstone it's really good to hear so when on that note like of, of working on your weakness passing to the wrong to your wrong side how how would you talk to an athlete like maybe their coach has said to them they have a particular weakness they need to work on 
but they also have something that they're like world-class or they're really, really great at. How does that player continue to get better at their strengths um, while improving their weaknesses? Like, cause I, I asked this because I've seen it a few times where a couple of the guys that I work with, they actually stopped improving on their strengths, doubling down on them to only focus on their weaknesses. And I think it actually hurt their game. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Like, um, if, if if you've got some if you've got some things that you're really good at and you normally would enjoy doing those things, whether that's in a game or a training, because they come naturally, um, then you just want to keep making those strengths, you know, even bigger strengths, you know. So you never stop working on what you're good at. Um, you don't just focus on what you're bad at, because then all of a sudden you become, you know, your your ability and other things will drop off as well. And so it's it's, it's no different in in East and C. You know, the the old saying is you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's the same in, in skill development. Um, you want to improve a skill, you you, you do to, you work on it. Um, but if you stop working on a skill you already have, it will become, you'll become, your level will become lower. You know, so we've got to keep working on strengths and weaknesses, you know, and, and, and master, you know, mastery is the key. And it's all about repetition. Um, the only thing I would say is that it's actually really easy to practice passing shit balls as in it's i'm not talking about practicing your catch and pass but with poor technique you know mm. understand the fundamentals and and worry about getting the bait that the really small details right and then and execute or practice at a good level um you know it shits me when i see players running up and down the field throwing forward passes to one another you know like um you know because all of a sudden you know, that's what you do in practice. So when it comes to the game, all of a sudden you're throwing forward passes, you know. So um, practice what's right and do it well and repeat it. So do you think athletes fall into the trap of prioritizing their S&C work over their skills? Like, I got to get bigger, I got to get stronger and faster, but maybe they actually Absolutely. need to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's actually really easy to sweet out. It's really easy to pump pump weights and, yeah. And run up and down the run up and down the field and do burpees and all that stuff. That's easy, and and most of us love it, love it, love to hurt a bit and love to feel like we've done some mahi, um, you know. But I think the 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 harder thing to improve is skills and game understanding because it's actually you have to realise that actually you can't do something and you have to work really hard at trying to get it right, um, and and be prepared to fail. You know, like um failing in the gym is often something we like because it means we really pushed ourselves, but failing on the park with a ball in hand, you look a bit silly in front of your teammates because you can't do something. Well, um, the only way to be able to do it is to practice it and practice it and be patient. And in time, all of a sudden it will, it, you'll have it, you'll get it. Um, but no, oft, often players will, will put more energy into, into how they look um, and how they train, you know, um, and and not actually execute on the park the skill set that's required um, under pressure and under fatigue. Uh, I hope uh, everyone listening to this really let that one hit home. So when it when it comes to game understanding, what what steps can players take to improve their game understanding? Like, do you have resources you recommend? Should they film their games, take notes? Yeah, I think um, like obviously I'm an S and C coach, so this isn't my this isn't my area. But mm-hmm. being 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 around long enough to sort of understand, you know, what what the best players do around this space, and I think the um, the best players, no matter what level they're at, no matter how long they've been playing for, 
um, are actual students of the game. They're constantly trying to learn about the game and understand how they could play the game within the rules to, I suppose, be better, um, be better within their role in the team or to help the team be better. And so, you know, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned about video. So, yes, video is important. Um, you know, mentors, so people that watch you play and who you trust your opinion, they'll be honest with you. Obviously, coaches, um, their role is to help you, but often athletes don't go to a coach to, to get some feedback because they don't want any, anything negative. Um, you know, peers, your mates, you know, is there anything I can do to help you in your role? Anything you can do to help me in my role? Help, let's, let's do this together. Let's help each other. Um, you know, so those relationships within your team are really important. Um, and so just constantly looking for areas where you think um, there's opportunities for growth and your learning of the game. And that could be a matter of learning more than your role, learning other roles so that you can help other people. Um, you don't want to be fixing everyone and trying to be the expert, but I think um, it's important to understand the, the team's, I suppose, pattern of play, what they're trying to achieve in different parts of the field, knowing what you need to do in your role in those different parts of the field, um, and, and always being there doing what you need to do for the team. And that's the beauty of rugby, isn't it, is that it's you know, 15 people out on the park um, trying to come together and all these complex movements and patterns of play and all these crazy tasks. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch when it all comes together and everyone's doing their job and, and it takes 15, 15 to break down the opposition. And so trying to figure that out is good fun. And, um, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy trying to become an expert of, of the game and, and how it rolls out on the park. Well, Gilly, that was a pretty uh, unreal dive into your six rocks of performance. Do you feel like we uh, missed out on anything or did we do a good job of covering everything? Oh, I'm sure we missed out on lots, mate. I'm sure there's lots we missed out on because obviously, um, <laughs> you know, an hour and a half or whatever it's been to, to, to chew through this stuff is, is, is not much time for how much is actually, you know, below the surface. But um, no, I think, I think, you know, there's a few gems in there that people can take away and put into their mm-hmm. practice and, and help them become a better rugby player. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Rugby Ready Podcast. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the episode and appreciate your support. Please subscribe to the pod, leave us a review, and send us your questions for Gilly on the Ask Gilly web form at www.rugbyready.ca. We'll see you next time.